DevOps in general can be oddly specific and so when you're recruiting talent it can be very niche and the conversations that you're having are typically people that have been in the industry for like a hot minute like they mm -hmm. know what they're doing they've been there they've done that and they want to be part of something that they know is going to be impactful for the future and so it's kind of like cut the bullshit. So today we're joined by Anna Marie Gutierrez Lee affectionately known as AMG who's the Director of Talent Acquisition at LogDNA. She's passionate about mentoring recruiting teams and connecting talent to their dream careers while fostering a genuine and positive candidate experience. Today, we're gonna to talk about how to recruit for a DevOps culture and why it's so important to bring more underrepresented talent into tech. 100%, let's do it. Woohoo! Right, okay. <laughs> Welcome to DevOps State of Mind a podcast where we dive deep into the DevOps culture and talk to small startups and large enterprises about what DevOps looks like in their organizations. I'm Lise from LogDNA. Join us as we get into a DevOps state of mind. Okay, AMG, it's so fun to have you here. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I feel like this is a total vibe and yeah, I feel really good. This is exciting. Yeah, it is. For everybody listening, we know each other because we work together, mm -hmm. which is like a total treat. But also just your energy that you bring to the company, every mm. discussion, it's unparalleled. So when you said you were going to be in town, I was like very excited to do this uh, with you. Like equally excited. So this is like the first time that I got to meet Lee's in person, right? Pandemic life. Um, it has been like such a treat and so rewarding. I feel like as well, we get to partner a ton together. So it's fun to do other projects as well, where we get to collaborate. I'm super pumped. I love it. A lot of the guests that I've had so far in our humble first season mm. have been founders, technical mm. folks, kind of talking about like the the more technical and yeah. tooling components of DevOps. Mm. But there's also this huge cultural component. Totally. Which I'm excited to talk to you about because yeah. you've worked for tech companies. Mm -hmm. You understand kind of the B2B SaaS world sure. and like what it takes to recruit good people, make mm. sure that they feel happy and excited mm -hmm. to stay, yeah. all of that stuff. So we'll see what comes out of this conversation. I I'm mean, sure I'm going to learn something. Why not? Let's just, you know, <laughs> let's dive in. Yeah. Okay. So can you start by telling everybody a little bit about yourself and your background and kind of how you got where you are today? Yeah, definitely. I mean, loaded question, right? But like, I could tell you about a lot of things, but yeah, so I'm Anna Marie or AMG. I have been at LogDNA now for all of 10 months. So going on my first year and it has been like the best and a wild ride of my life, no doubt. So I usually sit in London, but I came to LogDNA and how I found out about it was from our former CRO that I worked with, Tucker, who is now our CEO. Um, and he's phenomenal and like a super empathetic leader as well. And I felt like, you know, that's a leadership I want to get behind and someone I feel like I can learn a ton from as well. But I got started in the recruiting world straight out of college, recruited by a recruiter to be a recruiter, right? Like wild, wild times. <laughs> so like not to age myself, but we're going on 10 years now, 10 years in recruiting, which I think of like what it used to be versus what it is now and like the value on people and DEIB and just like all of these other really great initiatives. And yeah, I'm going to do this for life. Like yeah. I can't imagine doing anything else. I love it. 
I love it. You said D-E-I-B. Yeah. Can you explain that to oh, yeah, everybody yeah, yeah, listening? Yeah. So DEIB is diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, right? Like really important pillars just in people ops in general. And you've probably heard these like terms thrown around loosely. So definitely excited to talk about more and how that like applies here. But I think we went through, yeah, quite a like crazy time as well, just in the world in the last yeah. few years between, you know, George Floyd and that really came up of what we call like the racial reckoning as well and how that translated to organizations and even a lot of our recruiting initiatives. And for that, I think something that was like so grim, a lot of good came from it as well. So excited for it. For sure, for sure. What initially attracted you to kind of like what I call tech startup land? (laughs) (laughs) This weird little corner of earth that we take. Yeah, I don't even know that I was like initially super into startup life. I think it just found me, honestly. And then once I was in it, it was like, this chaos that I loved. It was like chaos, but organized chaos. And chaos in the way of like, I think a lot of people think of chaos like it's a bad thing, but there's a lot of like really good stuff that comes from chaos of like learning, growth opportunities. You have so much exposure to a lot, like Mm -hmm. very quickly. There's not a lot of red tape. There's just like this certain exposure that you get that I fell in love with. And this open door policy that I hadn't seen at larger organizations before. And you know, your voice, I think, is valued to a different degree and yeah. the impact that you can make and that is possible. Uh, for me, that's super rewarding. So I joined and now I guess I'm like in startup life for for life. You know, we'll see how that goes. Like, yeah, so far, so good. There's nothing about big companies that is like attractive. No, I think to- there is. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think depending upon who you are and where you're at in life, right? I think some people look at startups as a risk that they're Mm -hmm. taking. And depending upon the startup, that can be true, right? Like if you're a series A, you haven't found product market fit, you're still figuring out life to some degree, absolutely, that can be more risky. But I think of like where we're at right now, you know, we're series D, we just got another round of funding and we didn't even need it, right? It was like, they came to us. So that puts us in a whole different position because we can, yeah, we have like, play money and time, right? Like we want to be smart about how we use it. We want to hire the right people, the best people, but we're going to be really thoughtful and sustainable about how we do it. And I think as a series A, you just don't have that, that kind of flexibility. Um, Larger companies are great for many a reason. And I have been part of them. I've recruited for them, no doubt. But I also just think it, yeah, it depends. Like I just wasn't, I wasn't super excited by being another number in a company, right? I wanted to feel like I was adding value and I didn't feel like that before at larger companies. So I found that here and that's why Startup Life chose me. I didn't choose it. You do add a lot of value. <laughs> can <Thanks>. confirm. <laughs> yes, big, big value add. So let's talk a little bit about recruiting for mm. a DevOps culture. I'll start just with like a very broad question that I like mm. to ask everybody, okay. which is what does DevOps mean to you? Oh, yeah. Um, Take that as you will. You can talk about just one component of it or more holistically. I mean, DevOps, I mean, it's a beast, right? Like, I think DevOps in general, depending upon how ingrained in the DevOps community you either already are or aren't, right? Especially in SaaS world, like, you're going to hear this term DevOps a lot. And it does mean probably a lot of different things to different people, depending upon what company they're working for. 
But that being said, I feel like DevOps really is bringing along like simplicity to something that is so complex. Mm -hmm. And it is bringing like organization to something that can oftentimes feel very overwhelming and very intense. I think of, you know, because I come from a non-traditional, I am not a developer, I'm not an engineer, or I, I don't work in product. I come at it from like a people aspect and I try to explain this all the time to my parents who still have no idea what I do or like what log DNA is, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, explain it to me like if I was your grandma or whatever. And it's it's like creating the calm to someone's chaos, to an org's chaos and putting structure to it and being very thoughtful about how we do that. So DevOps to me is like the pivotal pillar that you need and you cannot ignore in order to be successful as like a scaling company. I love it. That's so cool. That's why I like to ask people because everybody yeah, has such a different perspective. It's so true. And I think for the discussion today, obviously we're going to talk a lot about a culture of collaboration mm. and, you know, what is the term that Tucker always uses? Like when you you come to something with a foundational level of trust that yeah. you can assume positive intent. Totally, totally. Which is really important to yeah, the style of work, Yeah, I think. And so I would love to know what are the things that are different mm-hmm. about recruiting for this type of culture yeah. from other places that you've recruited for? Definitely. I mean, I think DevOps in general as well can be oddly specific. And so when you're recruiting talent, it can be very niche and the conversations that you're having are typically people that have been in the industry for like a hot minute. Like they Mm -hmm. know what they're doing. They've been there, they've done that. And they want to be part of something that they know is going to be impactful for the future. And so it's kind of like cut the bullshit, I feel like is really DevOps culture, right? Like, don't give me the fluff. I don't want to hear about like, I don't know, they hate hearing, right? Like, oh, I stay because of the people, even though it's true. But like, right, they want want, like the facts. They want the the facts, not the feelings, because I think they'll figure out the feelings. Uh But the facts, super important. So you have to be like transparent, uh, like day one, no doubt. And if you're not, they'll call you out on your check and like real quick about it too. And then they'll tell like the whole world on Glassdoor. So you just have to like. I talked to this weird lady. Her name was like an acronym for something. Totally. We thought she was like a Mercedes or she was like infatuated with Mercedes cars. Like I'm not. Okay. Is Um, AMG a Mercedes? It is. It's like. I know nothing about It's a branding. Listen, I didn't either until one day. It was literally on the freeway and I saw Mercedes and it had AMG like on the back of it. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. So everybody so always asks me like, oh, do you have a Mercedes? Like, no, I'm not. I'm not bougie enough for a Mercedes. I don't even have a car. Like, me either. I live in the city, right? I think so. I forgot how to drive, to be honest, because yeah. I've lived in the city for so long. Yeah, and now I'm kind of terrified to do it. Right. This is like a personal you t- know what? side tangent. Listen, <laughs> we'll get there, right? We'll get there eventually. <laughs> yeah. But do I need to? I don't mm, know. Yeah, I am. Support your local Uber drivers, people. 100%. I'm still waiting for teleportation. I mean, like, I feel like if Elon Musk can take us to the moon, right? Like, I'm waiting for teleportation, personally. Yeah. Shout out to Elon Musk. I feel like he's doing some nice things for Ukraine right now. He is. I feel that. I mean, it's, yeah, it's good to see, like, people in power using it for good, right? Yeah. And, like, you, yeah, you want to get on board with that. 100%. So what are the specific types of things that you look for Mm. when recruiting we'll talk just about log dna because yeah 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 this that is could be totally. this is the scope for for today for sure um like what are the things that you look for 
to tell somebody's going to be successful. Yeah. I mean, outside of obviously, right, like your your typical technical aptitude of whatnot, like when we're looking at people to see if we always say, you know, they need to be a value add, which mm-hmm. means we don't want them to fit in to like current standards of what log DNA is. We want them to bring something to the table that we might not already have. We want them to add value in a way or show us a perspective in a way that maybe we hadn't, we hadn't like seen or heard before. Right. So I think for us, we always look for people that have this sense of like creativity, right? They're mm-hmm. eager to learn. They um, don't want to just accept the status quo. They're people that typically go above and beyond. And listen, that doesn't mean they're like burning out, right? Yeah. And they need to give up their soul or their firstborn to be successful. It just means they're really thoughtful and intentional, I think is what it comes down to. So we're looking for people that, right, are really great communicators, um, especially as we've moved to like a remote bias environment. I mean, we have like people all over the world right now at our company. And so being able to communicate over Slack and Zoom and just like all these different forms, it's super important. Like communication has literally never been more important in our life than it is, I feel like right now. I mean, hashtag fake news, right? That's the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. So we look for people that I think are just generally curious and humble, good people, people that you feel are approachable and you can have a conversation with. I always hate when when different recruiting teams are like, oh, well, the rule of thumb is would I grab a beer with you, right? Because I just don't think that's realistic. I also think it's also, it excludes a lot of people from that, especially if you're talking about, right, like engineers, which are notoriously introverts, but like shout out to the ones that aren't either. Yeah. They all add such value in different ways. And so I think we look for good people, like at the end of the day, people that are also resilient, right? Like I use this word resilience of they don't give up easily. They... They don't like really taking no for an answer, to be totally honest. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to push to figure out and how to solve a problem. Why is that important for startups in particular? Yeah, I mean, like startups, right, you're shifting and changing a lot. What could start as your product roadmap at the beginning of the year could be totally different than what it is at the end of the year. That's also like the powerful thing about startup is because you can shift and be so agile and lack of red tape, right? You you also get to be part of like the decision-making process mm-hmm. through a lot of that, which is great as an employee, but it does come with, um, you know, needing to pivot and pivot fast and needing to, to shift things around. So I feel like if you're comfortable and excited by that, then yeah, startup life is a great environment for it, but it is important to have, I think just as a characteristic, because if you're used to doing things a certain way, just because they've always been done that way, I think that like learning environment just doesn't do well in startup life. That's so interesting. You also briefly mentioned burnout and like assign, you Mm. you look for people who are hard workers and Mm. ambitious, but that is not synonymous with burnout. Totally. Can we just talk about that for a minute, especially as women? Because I feel like (sighs) the culture of proving yourself as a woman in, you know, more of like a male-dominated industry Mm -hmm. usually means that you have a bunch of women who are like, I have to do this, this, and this, and I have to be able to like send an email or respond to something mm. at 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. to prove that I belong here, mm-hmm. which is such bullshit. It really is. And worst. we need to, like, get rid of that. We do. <laughs> yeah, we do. And I feel like we're on our way there, to be yeah. honest. I, I do. think so, too. 
I feel like we're, I feel like we're, listen, we're, we're not like nearly done or where I think we would all want to be, but I feel like we're getting there. We're making progress. And I think a lot of that comes from like women empowering women, right? Mm -hmm. So like women in tech, our ERG is like so important. I learned so much from that ERG as well. And just like having a place of belonging in your workspace and other people that can vouch for you and have your back is incredibly important because I think if you're just in an environment where you feel like your voice isn't being heard or appreciated, like get out. It's not up to you to prove yourself or your value based off of what you can produce. Like I think just as a human, that's a really shitty way of living life. Okay. And let's be honest, right? At some point you of course have to produce because it's your job. But if like people are coming at you saying, okay, well you need to work like at least nine, 10 hours to be successful here. Like who am I to say? I don't, I don't care. Like if you show up to work and you get your stuff done in five hours and you're killing it, like who am I to tell you what kind of productivity needs to look like in your life? And no, I think there's just like this micromanagement thing that is like going out the window that a lot of, you know what? God bless Gen Z, seriously, because I feel like they are the ones shifting and changing the game truly about like, they're like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. They're like, you know, (laughs) I'm good. No, thank you. Right. And they're just like, they're quick to, I think to change the game. Um, and I have a few like Gen Zers on my team and I've got, I learned so much from them. Um, like, one of them being how to operate TikTok to begin with. <laughs> and now you're obsessed. I so. am obsessed. Yeah, it's again a vortex. Yeah. Be careful, everybody. But yeah, I just I don't know. We we have to like get better about it. But the ways that I find to be most helpful are just yeah, like work with the people who have been there and done that. Like I have an amazing boss and leader who has. Um, she's seen some things. She's done some things, right? And just this buy-in of like. You don't need to prove yourself. You already have like mm-hmm. you're here and don't be your own worst enemy or like the, your own barrier to entry. Right. Like apply for the job. Don't give in. Totally. F the patriarchy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I actually feel like that's a good segue into talking about this moment that we're having right now. Mm. The great resignation. Oh, my God. It's so interesting. Just like something that you just said made me think of. This idea that when you're interviewing for a company Mm. now, it feels like the company is, like, begging for employees to join. For sure. They're trying to prove themselves. Yeah. And if you do end up joining and then Mm. you learn that that is not actually the culture. Yeah. That feels like a bait and switch. 100%. 100%. And I've heard you talk about, like, kind of how the power dynamic has shifted recently Mm -hmm. and would love to just share that with the audience it's so true like the power dynamic even like I think of when I started recruiting and it was a lot of prove yourself prove your worth like do a six-hour take-home test that we're not going to pay you for and you know maybe we'll get back to you in like a few weeks if you did like okay right it's it's shifted and I personally think it's for the better and this is like coming from somebody in recruiting who sometimes this works against us because we have candidates with multiple offers at a time they have the opportunity to be picky because it is a candidate's market but I also think just as like humans that's really powerful because the ball is in your court to literally choose the best option available to you at any at any time so like do your due diligence right and ensure that wherever you're heading next is a place that yeah you're gonna thrive in and just like 
enjoy life life is too short right like literally these last few years have been wild and i feel like you you have to reassess what's most important to you so the great resignation is a wild challenge right now because we we are running into this time and environment where every company is like going after the best of the best talent but we're trying to compete in our own ways and Again, like depending upon where you're at in life and what that looks like, every candidate wants something different depending upon your pain point, right? Maybe maybe you're not get, getting paid enough, right? Maybe like you're trying to figure out how to get into tech in the first place, like you're underrepresented minority and you're just like trying to figure that out. I mean, there's so many different challenges. And then on top of that, if you have companies that are not transparent with you from day one, you know, you mentioned this bait and switch. They're not going to stick around for it, nor should they, right? Like, yeah. don't don't promise people something that you can't deliver on because you're just lying. I think that something I really appreciated when I came to Log DNA, Amy, our chief people officer, she's like, you know what, AMG, like, it's kind of like a shit show right now in recruiting, and I'm not going to lie. Like, we have some stuff to figure out, but I feel like you can do it, and I'm going to give you every resource possible to be successful. And it was fantastic. I was like, you know, this sounds like an amazing challenge, right? And she was right. Like there were some things that were falling apart and there was a lot of good happening, but like we needed to, we needed to like shift and change and we did. And there's a lot of good that came from that. But if I had walked in with this expectation that like things were sunny and beautiful, yeah. right? And they weren't, my perception of not only Log DNA, but even Amy, my boss, right? You already, you feel like you're starting off on a lie and who wants that? I love that you say she told you that she would provide all of the resources to help you be successful. Definitely. And from an outsider's perspective, I feel like that mm. has been true. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, closed mouths don't get fed, right? So, like, ask, say what you need in order for it to be successful, right? Because I think the point is, too, like, as employees, you want to be successful in what you're doing, but sometimes it's hard to find your voice, and sometimes it's hard even just to figure out what it is exactly you need to be successful, but I feel the longer you do it, the more time you spend, the easier it gets. The more you ask, it's just the easier it gets, and genuinely, if your managers don't want you to be successful, then, like, well you shouldn't work for them, right? Yeah. Because you're not going to find success that way either. Like, they should be the ones advocating for you and again, giving you the resources you need because it's only going to make them look better. It's going to make our company be more successful. There's so much positive that comes from that. So true. So you touched briefly on how this shift in power has been good for historically underrepresented folks. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit. And yeah. like, just as a level set, like, why do you think that tech isn't more diverse? Yeah, I mean, I think there's like a lot of reasons statistically, even if you were to look into typically underrepresented minority groups are people that don't have the same privileges or resources available to them as affluent neighborhoods would, right? And so maybe their school that they're going to doesn't offer like a STEM program or um, like coding classes. My, I have a niece, she's 13, and like part of her like core classes now in high school is like literally coding. And I think that's phenomenal. That's cool. But you know, like, 10, 20 years ago, that was absolutely not a thing. Yeah. Um, so I think first it's this barrier to entry as well and and truly like resources and funding and education systems that is lacking like from a very bottom line base standpoint. I also think that um, visibility into these types of roles, like when you come from an underrepresented minority group, um, maybe you haven't gone to college, which is totally fine as well. You don't need a degree to work in tech. 
half my team, I don't think, has degrees. And yeah. it's not even something that we ask, right? It's not applicable, really. It's not an indicator. Having a degree is not an indicator of whether you're going to be successful or not. That being said, those people that have gone to college are exposed to, again, other opportunities and even classes. But if you don't have the money to go to college, if like you couldn't even get the good grades to go to college because you were so busy working a full-time job trying to support your family at home, right? You just don't have the ability to even, I think, think big because Mm -hmm. you're trying to survive. So, you know, forget about thriving, you're surviving. Yeah. Uh, And honestly, the barrier to entry at some organizations can just be really difficult. I think internship programs, you even look at like the stats and internship programs and thank God the times are changing because now a lot of them are paid. And if it's an unpaid internship, then you get like flack for it, which is great. People should get paid for internships. They're working really hard, but you know, even in internships, like again, 10, 20 years ago, they wouldn't pay for it. And it's like, if you're underrepresented, you cannot afford to not have a working job. Right. Or to have an unpaid internship. So again, there's just some barriers to entry I think we've gotten better at. I think also location, right? We went from this, you have to be in an office mentality to now, okay, we're 100% remote or a lot of companies are going that route. Um, So there is more flexibility and opportunity for them to join, even if they might live in states that technology is like notoriously not around, right? right? Like not everybody lives in San Francisco, Silicon Valley hub. A lot of people might, I don't know, Ohio. I'm trying to think of like some places. Someone on my team lives in Ohio. Exactly. Okay. Like one of our, one of our best directors um, in engineering, she's in Ohio, right? So like, so amazing. So I feel like, um, yeah, the barriers I always use Ohio when I'm like talking shit about a state too, which is so bad. I I don't know know why. Ohio, we love you. Yeah. You know what? In Ohio, it's like not even your fault because I've literally never been. It's just like I see (laughs) the photos of the snow and immediately it's like intimidation and I can't, I can't. It's a lot. Yeah. It's too much. It, It is a lot. It's really interesting. And even you were talking about internships, like mm. I, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this Let's because <laughs> my fiance and so many people that I know went to Waterloo. Mm. And Waterloo has an amazing program mm-hmm. where you, if you're in the engineering like path, you do internships as well. They yeah. pay literally more than I made at my first like two jobs when I lived in San Francisco <sighs> for these little twerps who can't even drink yet. Like, oh my God. it's kind of crazy. Wow. But also, how does that like take away opportunities from other people who aren't in college? Yeah. To I even mean, just get their foot in the door. Totally. I mean, and it does, right? Because there used to be this barrier to entry that you had to have a college degree to even work in tech. I mean, mm-hmm. like Google was notorious for this. They, I was like in the last five years where they got rid of this like prerequisite that you had to go to college in order to even be considered and to apply for a job. If you applied to a job and you didn't have a college degree, they would just automatically reject you, right? Wow. How yeah. terrible is that? And I think also, right, that automatically cuts out like so many underrepresented minorities in general. Um, that's just... Yeah, it's wild to me. So I think you have to be really intentional as well as an organization to look at the make of your organization and figure out where the gaps are. And when I say like gaps, I mean, listen, diversity can mean a lot of things, but 
brass tacks if you want to look at male versus female or trans or lgbtqia community or hispanic versus black versus white and asian right there's like so many different routes that you can go but i think identifying the gaps you ha you have to start there because if you don't at least acknowledge a lot of people don't see it as a problem um right like if they were like oh we're 80 percent male and 20 percent female which is notoriously in tech uh, mm -hmm. where it happens you are like losing so much profitability uh, because you do not have enough diverse minds in the room to talk about different perspectives. Yeah. It is literally bad business, right? And so I think that the the racial reckoning of sorts has, has really helped encourage these conversations because when you talk about giving opportunities to underrepresented minority groups, I think like some of the sourcers and recruiters on our team even, we now actively go after those groups because we wanna ensure that we have better representation at our org. Like why? Because it's better business. It makes us better people. Like at the end of the day, it's just good business. Absolutely. And identifying your gaps is so important. Um, shout out to Ingrid. Yes. Who's the DEI oh, consultant that we work with at Log DNA. She's yeah. amazing. And I remember when we first started working with her and we were in the first kind of stages mm. of doing that and understanding mm -hmm. where our gaps were. Somebody said like, well, we, we have a lot of women. We do mm -hmm. have mm -hmm. kind of a lot of women, it feels yeah. like for average tech Right, for average companies. tech, yeah. <laughs> and she like looked at me and she's like, until you have the right number of black women represented yeah. in your company, 100%. I do not care. Like totally. <laughs> no, it's true. And Ingrid, oh God, I love Ingrid because she her famous line is like, I'm gonna give you two chops to the throat and then a hug, right? Yeah. And it's true. Like she's gonna come at you with the facts, but she's also gonna like help you figure out how to get to the next stage and like love you through it. Right. Totally. And so and I think you just need that in general. It's also really powerful to have somebody from the black community come in and talk about how this affects not only them, but other underrepresented minority groups too, and other groups that have notoriously been at a disadvantage in tech. And so I think it is a really important conversation to have. I also think we talked about this last week at our recruiting offsite, which is like, you can say, oh yeah, okay, well, we have a lot of women, but then like diving deeper into where are the women in the org? Are they mm. primarily in support roles? Yeah. Like how many of them are in leadership opportunities? Like what does our board of directors look like, right? There is so much more to be done in those areas other than, you know, if you were to say like, okay, the people ops team, predominantly women. Well, that's, that's pretty common in yeah. general, right? But if you look at engineering, it's like less than 10% of majority of tech groups are female. So we got work to do. We were also doing research a few weeks ago because it's Women's History Month, yeah. and a report had just come out that there's the largest percentage of female CFOs that have ever existed. Oh, I love this. So cool. Love. But it's still only, I can't remember if it was 10 or 15% yeah. of all CFOs. Mm -hmm. And it's like, ugh. Like, why? Why? You know? It's like, it's both exciting, and then it's also totally deflating. Because yeah. you're like, okay, it's 2022. Like, seriously? Yes. So Ingrid, she another shout out to Ingrid. She shared. We should have Ingrid. Where we, is Ingrid Literally, today? <laughs> we should have Ingrid. She, yeah, she's phenomenal. Um, but one of the other sets she shared this last, uh, this like at this last offsite was like there's more, there's like more men I think with the name of like Dave in CEO like positions than there are like black people in CEO oh my positions, God. right? Ugh. Like what? That's so crazy. It's gross. Like, oh yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. 
bringing this back to DevOps, I feel like we could <laughs> we could go forever. <laughs> we could really, really, really go forever. But yeah. I think part of why I wanted to have you is because mm-hmm. like DevOps is all about collaboration, mm-hmm. cross team empathy, like yeah. you know having that foundation of trust so that you can work to solve problems that are bigger than just the single thing that you do or that you're working on. Mm. And so with all of that in mind, like why is it important to have a diverse group of people working on those problems? Yeah. I mean, other than like a good business, right. In general. And what do I mean by good business? Cause like, let's unpack that of what that looks like. So I mean, first of all, it's super easy to have groupthink, right? Like if you just have a room full of like white men in the same room and they're all from the same college or background, their perspective is going to be very limited, which is only going to take your product so far. Any product for that matter, typically will impact more than just, you know, one gender or ethnicity in general, right? Like you're going to have people that come from all over the world using your product. And so then if you think about that from like a business case as well, and like the profitability and the margins like associated with that, if you don't have diverse backgrounds and people in the room being able to, to talk to that and really like add value to those conversations, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, honestly, what are you doing? Because it just feels like such a big missed opportunity. And um, there's, listen, I'm sure we've all seen some ads, right? Where we're like, that that was a total fail. Like, who was part of, who was part of that, like, think tank? Like, wow, you really, you really missed the mark. And I think um, by bringing in those, those people into those conversations, uh, yeah, you're just like allowing for better perspective and opportunity to make an impact on your product in a meaningful way that is also going to have impact on your customers. Think about who your customers are. They're not all white males. So like, let's be better people. Like we, we have to be, we totally, well, okay, listen, you don't have to be, but if you're not, you're gonna get left behind. Yeah. And you don't want that as a business. And if you consider yourself a good human, like which I hope you do, I really, I feel like generally people that listen to this podcast are probably really good humans. Uh, I hope. But you also, know? like, if you're not, you should keep listening because yes. you might be positively influenced. It's true, right? And I, th- I think it's just, again, another, like, growing opportunity, both as people, but also as businesses. If you don't have their voice in the room you're going to make big mistakes that are going to cost you a lot of money that will eventually come back and bite you in the ass. Be better people. And if you don't, you might make mistakes that bite you in the ass. Yeah, they totally will. a good summary of this whole (laughs) episode. 100%. (laughs) Okay, awesome. We have to stop talking, sadly, at least on a microphone. Fair. We can keep talking. Great over wine please amg Mm. director of talent acquisition at log dna thank you so much for being here so good to be here again thank you thank you thank you thanks for listening if you made it this far as well yeah congrats (laughs) i'm lise thanks for listening to this episode of devops state of mind brought to you by log dna if you'd like to hear more about the devops culture subscribe to the show and pop over to log dna's website at logdna.com to learn how to be more productive in a devops world Also, in honor of AMG being here, we are always hiring and looking for amazing people. Always. So if anything about the culture that you heard today was exciting to you, Mm -hmm. check out our careers page or feel free to stalk either of us on LinkedIn. Please. And reach out and we would love to chat with you. Always. Yeah. Links and information from today's episode are in our show notes. 
and DevOps State of Mind was produced and edited by Pamela Lawrence from Studio Pod Media. Thanks for listening. Shout out to Lise as well. Okay, she is like holding down the far uh, on the floor. <laughs> let's edit that out. No, let's keep okay, it. Let's keep it. Okay. Holding down the far. <laughs> Listen, I don't know what's going on with Lise right now, but I'm just—I was gonna say holding down the fort. Okay, fort. Like, forgive me. This whole like coming from London time change thing is sure, is brutal. Sure, sure. But you know what? Okay, be fair. Anyway. Yeah, we will. We will go with that. Okay.